Hey everybody, this episode of, uh, what is this? Star, Star Trek? Trek? The Next this Conversation. Is what this is. I should know that by the hum of the warp core. Is brought to you by the good folks at Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in Hollywood, California. It's that time again, everybody. It is time for buy one, get one free, courtesy of your pals at Star Trek The Next Conversation. All you got to do is head over to the front desk, tell them you heard, us, heard about it on Star Trek The Next Conversation, and say, hey, I'd like to get into the auditorium at buy one, get one free, please. Star Trek sent me. Or Andy sent me. Probably Andy. Either way. Uh, yeah, head over to the auditorium. It's on Hollywood and Highland. It's the center of entertainment, the crossroads of entertainment. I wonder it's if you can get that things. started. In I'm Hollywood. trying. I mean, Strike Zone's going. <laughs> so, center of entertainment, I really hope, uh, catches wind. So, if you're at the center of entertainment and you're looking for something to do and you don't want to go to a terrible wax museum, head over to the Ripley's Believe It or Not Auditorium and tell them Matt and Andy sent you for buy one, get one free. Here's the show. Podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Well, folks, here we are. 19 episodes of season 2 of Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. We are hunting. We are manhunting for oh. a solution to these terrible episodes. I thought you were going to give us like a, a catchy group name. We are the TNCites. Or the nope. <laughs> we are the next conversationalists. Yes. Oh, there you go. There you go. You did it. Eh, you got to be quick. Professional. Professional, professional namer of things. Um, yeah, so, actually, the more I say it, it doesn't really it doesn't it's, it's so long. <laughs> the next conversationalist. Uh, <laughs> if you can think of a name for us, please. Sure. Tweet Andy. Um, drinking some Earl Grey tea here. Secunda, S-E-C-U-N-D-A. Andy recently changed his password and forgot it. I did. I did it for security, and I secured myself out of my Twitter account. Did you two-step verification? Uh, yes. Nice, bro. Yeah. That's what you got to do these days. Everyone needs two-step verification. Thanks to Sony, Cybersecurity Week has been a great hit over at the Sony lot. Is that what's going on over there? Isn't it Cybersecurity Month with the silly, silly, with the banners that say, like, stuff about phishing and, like... Oh, is that why all of our computers have been futzed with? Yours has been futzed with. What? Am I the only one they're doing that with? I think your computer's the oldest in there. You've been there the longest. That's probably true. Um, so very, uh, very exciting stuff as we as we're, we're we're just inching, inching towards season three. We're inching towards the uniform change. We're in, inching towards. Uh, I gotta say, I don't believe the writer strike is responsible anymore. I feel like this. It's it's really interesting that season one was stumbling and and had trouble. Mm-hmm. But it, it had the feel of okay, we're we're a show that's uh, that's figuring it out. Yeah, okay. so you cut it some slack. 
and now we're in this we're in this season, and they seem to be getting worse. <laughs> so wait, so that's your reason for not blaming the writer strike? Well, I feel like the writer strike uh, would have been over by this point. I really oh, love to long get the over, time. but you know it's hard to catch up. I don't know, man. I think they the writer strike was over in like September or September, right, or something like that. Well, I can tell you that there's there was more going on, and this is the back and forth because you know you have certain things like the goodbye, Dory. Bye. Um, Dory could not bear to listen to this, so she left, <laughs> um, and I don't blame her. Um, the um, uh, you know you have stuff with the Maurice Hurley stuff, like he you know clearly was or or was apparently pushing for Q Who and the Borg, and at least that's his story. Um, and uh, and minimally allowed the depthful planning and and uh, marshalling of budget to make the Borg happen the way that they do in Q Who. Mm-hmm. So you got to give him some credit. And on the other hand, in this episode, I know we're going to get to it. Um, um, Tracy Torme had his name removed from it. That is a pseudonym for Tracy Torme. <laughs> That's how much he hated this episode. What they what the changes were done on this episode. I am delighted by that. It's crazy. So. Um, you know, you can't. Uh, I, I don't know. So that's why I say it's not. You know, there was there were people on 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 board. The you know, so to speak, that were like, "This is terrible. We shouldn't do this." <laughs> and then he left at the end of the season. I am. I, I feel your pain, Tracy. Me too. Hang in there, buddy. <laughs> Are we listening to the? Is the the engine on? Yeah. yeah. Well, can do you not hear it? No. I mean, as long as you're sure it's on. Everyone quiet. Just listen to that hum. I wonder if it's only in Do you not hear it? I don't hear it. You're crazy, because it's loud and clear. Do you want to give me your headphones? Do you want me to turn it up a little bit for you? Or will you be turning all of us up? Oh, yeah, there it is. There you go. There you go. Want me to leave it there for you? No, that's fine. I you just want to make, sure. There. Just wanna make sure that the engine had dropped out on us. No, no, no. We're at full warp. <laughs> I feel like this is the sleepiest beginning to an episode we've had. Well, in many ways, it's a sleepy episode. Why is that? Uh, I mean, I'm talking about Manhunt. Oh, sure. <laughs> well, let's get let's jump in then. All right. How do they join the Admirals Club? Andy, all they have to do is leave a five-star review on iTunes, and you'll be ushered into the Admirals Club, which is better than American Airlines' own Admirals Club. Is that true? Have you been in there? No, I've never been in the Admirals Club. Okay. Even though I induct people weekly into the Admirals Club. we got to get into that. I think that they, I was given some credit card offer that, that, that <laughs> trumpeted the Admirals Club. I am an American Airlines credit card holder, and they have sent me the thing to like go from platinum to like whatever the frigate is that like is five hundred dollars a year that gets me into the admirals club but i i've i in the last two months i've been on 20 20 flights yeah and i have not once been in a in a terminal with an american airlines we should um we should um what's the word when you uh we should raffle off <laughs> uh, join andy and matt in the ad in an admiral's club <laughs> all you gotta do is buy a ticket on american airlines 
first class or better. <laughs> Buy us a ticket somewhere, <laughs> and then we will hang with you in that Admiral's it's Club a terrible, until our flight leaves. Terrible raffle. It's a terrible raffle. Uh, okay, our so, first person. Yes, uh, is Leaf A. Olson, mm-hmm. and his title is Review? Question <laughs> mark. Accessing. An evaluation, a report, an opinionated summary, a recommendation of worthiness for use, an overview of quality of content. Yes, sir. Next is... <laughs> that was great. Uh, that was a good one. Uh, a modern day Hanks and Ryan from Ultimate Trekker. <laughs> <laughs> like Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, we know they're not really dating, but we're all excited to see them kiss at the end. Uh, the last one is from The Journey Never Ends from Mott the Barber's assistant. Oh, wow. Uh, did we ever see his assistant? I don't. We haven't seen Mott the Barber yet, have we? I, it's been told, uh, talked about. Um, have we seen Mott yet? I don't think I don't we don't see Mott till Day is Day or Unification, something like that. Have you ever wondered what Livingston the Lionfish well, was? He's mentioned in Unification. Sorry, he doesn't appear. He, he's mentioned. Have you ever wondered what Livingston the Lionfish was thinking about, which can ruin your career more, a third breast or a new hairdo? Do golden girls prefer Klingon love poetry? Will the crimson force, force field deter an oversexed mother-in-law? If these kinds of questions keep you up at night, you need never fear the dark again. Matt Meyer and Andrew Secunda are your... Uh, I might have edited something out guides so uh grab a mug your favorite blood wine warm up some gach and let's go and then we have a united federation of planets president circle oh wow um inaugural entry uh from rebecca niles who did not paypal us uh, sttncpod at gmail.com but uh, instead made a donation oh that's great um to uh, Medicines Sans Frontiers. Do you know what that is? I assume that's space medicine. <laughs> it's Doctors Without Borders. Oh. Um, in Picardies. And honor your awesome podcast, and as a nod to President Frith, Adrian Gudas from episode 34. Oh, is that the old guy? I think so. Yeah. I salute you. Uh, there is no frontier after the final frontier, so I've dedicated my donation to Doctors Without Borders to you. Yours ends in Rebecca Niles. Thank you, Rebecca. We accept. We love it. Thank you so much. And that was the now, Andy, I have a question about why your sound is so shitty. It's a good question. Uh, what is your volume level at on your computer? It's near the top. Do you okay, want me to turn so it all the way it, up to the top? Take it down three. Take it down three. Okay. Three dots. Okay. And uh, Should I hit that thing again? Should let's hear it. Let's see if it's any different. Okay. That's it? Yeah. See, he's a master. Guys, I've been doing this a long time, <laughs> and it's all your faults. Captain, we are being hailed. All right. We're into the hails, and uh, to continue the um, the uh, uh, charitable donation theme, Yeah. Um, one of our listeners, um, oh, no, <laughs> lost it. God darn it. It's the face that he makes when something goes out of the way of where he wanted it to be. Here it is. Oh, um, uh, our friend on Twitter, Livingston Picard. Yes. Um, tweeted at us, uh, high Trek Twitter friends, non-fish related moment here. I'm legally blind. My vision is 20 uh, out of 400. Jeez, I wonder what mine is. Well, you see at 400, I have to be 20 feet away to see. Um you imagine the face blindness i would have if if that was the case be a lot more you know 
I care not to think about that because you're already terrible. <laughs> I'm pretty terrible. I'm fundraising for this device, which allows me to see 2020. Um, and uh, he links to a uh, to um, something called EyesightWare mm-hmm. with an E E EyesightWare E EyesightIwear dot com. Uh-huh. It's not Jordy's visor, but it is a great piece of tech that can help me professionally and socially. Please take a moment to check out my page and consider making a small donation. Uh, he's about a third of the way there. Um, Living Supercard's real name is Cosmo Mori. He's 34 years old, and he was born with bilateral optic nerve atrophy. Um, and then he explains it uh, all. He has a, a beautiful young son. Um, and uh, I believe he's a football coach. Is all information about him uh, on this page. And um, um, he's been a great supporter of the podcast, and we like to support him. So we're going to tweet that information on our Twitter um, at uh, Star Trek TNC tomorrow, which will be Monday. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like to make a donation, we encourage you to to uh, Cosmo. Please do so. Um, all right, let's get into the hails proper. Um, Thank you, uh, Livingston, for your continued support. We hope that people support you. Uh, agreed. Um, the first one is a. It's not really a correction, but it was a. It was a question we asked, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. was, "What does bring Lloyd mean from the terrible Irish characters on the show last week?" Many people piped in. Uh, Neil Studd had tweeted at us, it's probably taken from the old word, Irish word, bring Lloyd, meaning dream, a.k.a. where most of this plot was written. <laughs> um, hi, Matt and Andy. Mm-hmm. The banter you two have is classic. Love it. Oh, if Kylie's number one, please, Matt, play her anytime. You can't get enough Kylie. Uh, oh, St. Patrick, have mercy on us. The podcast I caught up with up the long ladder. Well, been an Ir- being an Irishman... Uh, I haven't watched that one in a long time. I remember when it was uh, shown on Ireland's TV station, RTE. Um, Well, Voyager uh, doing Fairhaven and Spirit Folk. Jesus, did anyone research Irish times back then? Wasn't all sunshine and happy times, dark times for our nation. I believe Calmini was uh, against Up the Long Ladder and can't blame him. That's interesting. (laughs) Makes sense. Uh, I leave you with this saying in Irish. Biofada agus Ray Thuil. Yep, had to Google it myself. Regards, Dave. Do you know what that, that means? No. I assume it's in Celtic, and it means a long and prosperous life to you. Oh, well, thank you. Live long and prosper. Same to you, sirs. Hey, guys. In the philosophy of science, technological determinism, this is from a sociolog- sociology teacher. This sounds boring, but continue. Refers to the... He's, he's, your patience is wearing thinner and thinner with the, uh, with the hails. <laughs> I and, you know, just like getting this talk, talking Star when, Trek. Okay, fair enough. This one is, is about it. Uh, first, the technological innovation, um, uh, the idea that the technological innovation is the primary motivator of widespread social change. One of the ways this manifests in our own culture is by way of the belief that technical innovation equals culture, social or cultural progress. Um, Star Trek does this frequently by equating the lack of advanced technology with cultural or social primif- primitism. That doesn't really make sense. Technologically advanced society isn't the same as culturally progressive or open society. And um, he says this is, this is evident in the primitive Irish bring Lloydy, uh, who are presented as less evolved, less adapted, and their values, beliefs, and practices less important than the survival of the more advanced society the Enterprise encounters. 
which I thought was interesting. Oh, meaning like they sort of threw the threw the Irish to the wolves, kind of a thing. Yeah, to help the uh, technologically advanced society that should have just died out, or invented IVF. Yes, it goes on in greater detail, but I'm feeling the uh, the lack of patience with this one. <laughs> Um, I you, guess. Know, you know, you know what gets me going, Andy? What's that? Brief hails. All right, here's a brief one. I still don't think you'll like it because it's about me. I think I'm in love with Andy. I'm hey. in love with his earnestness and sincerity and self-deprecating humor. And I really miss Andy's theories. I haven't been inspired lately. I'm going to try and keep Andy it has no theories. That's the secret. Well, I think I've I've covered a lot of the theories. I find myself missing his voice during the week while waiting for the podcast to drop. Oh. I'm not gay at all, but I think I might be gay for Andy. Is that a thing, John G? Who isn't? I think that would be you're a Gandy. I'm going to. I'm going to coin that, and I'll take it. Gandhi. John. Uh, hey, guys. In TNG, the star date is always six-digit number. I think we were asking these, the, the what makes the star date. He says, uh, this is from JJH. Star date is always a six-digit number, five digits, a decimal point, then another digit. The first digit is always uh, a four, which according to Trek lore is because... TNC takes place 400 years after our current time. Second digit equates to the season in which the episode takes place in. Did you know this? No. So all first episode seasons have a start date of 4-1, blah, blah, blah. Um, the next two season two of 4-2. Next four digits correspond to the episode's relation to the season. Early episodes have low numbers. Later episodes have higher numbers, which was interesting. So that is interesting. In, I didn't know that there was any decoding to be done with this, with these... Uh, you know what do you call it star treks and he says uh, p.s matt rules thanks buddy and he says pps andy hardly ever laughs at his own jokes anymore well done andy i don't know if jjh was one of the people or he was the only person and it just stuck in my head as millions of people who said i was laughing at my own jokes i don't believe in listening to this podcast that i do laugh at my own jokes i believe i laugh at the ridiculousness Andy almost never makes jokes on this show because he's constantly befuddled by it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that is another issue, (laughs) is that I'm just like, what's going on? But uh, uh, I don't know. I I, I will listen for it and continue to. Well, I'm very excited because this episode puts us one episode closer to season three. (laughs) Yeah. Um, there was one Google voicemail. Oh, let's play it. I was not set up for. I'm sorry. Do you want to skip it? No, I mean, listen. <laughs> Guys, we're three episodes out uh, from season three. It's going to be great. I feel it in my bones. Uh, shades of Grey. Boy, I, a, I don't even know what to do with this. It's a lot of debate, but I really am a completist. People are really, really fighting over whether we should cover it or not. <laughs> There are scenes from one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's another thing. Nine, you know, writers. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Uh, yes, there are 22 episode clips in Shades of Grey. Uh, you know, writers get paid a uh, a certain. Well, actually, I don't know if we do on the Goldbergs. I should look into that. Um, but uh, writers get paid a certain amount if you play a clip from the episode that they wrote. 
Well, this uh, Shades of Grey was written by Maurice Hurley, Richard Manning, and Hans Beamler. Written by three people. Um, doesn't sound promising. No. Here's the uh, here's the voicemail we got. It's about Q Who. I know it's going to irritate you that Sounds it's about late, Q Who. But go ahead. But we we had very rushed things, and they say, this person said something a lot of people said that I agreed with. Okay. Hey Andrew, so I got a question about Q Who that uh, that kind of bugging me. So if Q shot the Enterprise very far away, and that was the first time they met the board, mm-hmm. then who ripped apart the cities on planets in the neutral zone? Because if I understand it correctly, the neutral zone is pretty much in their backyard. So I don't quite understand that. Hmm. Um, and if there's any other... I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me because the board never came that way. I don't get it. Is that bad writing or did I miss something? Anyway, that's the... Uh it's a good question. Uh, it was something that occurred to me too. The um, the thing about this seems to be here's my actually here's my guess. My guess is that the I'm getting a lot of production emails right now, which is very annoying to me. For tomorrow's, sidekick? No, tomorrow's episode of Goldberg's. <laughs> oh, he's going to be on set tomorrow because the. Uh, you know, there was a, not a full week. Uh-huh. So I think... Every, oh, what time do you guys end up leaving on Tuesday? This is a great question for the air. <laughs> um, I was there till the very end. Then I had to race to my to my uh, plane. plane. So I think it was like 7.30. Oh, you had to race your plane even leaving at 7.30? Well, I misinterpreted something that Goldberg said at the end. Um, he said... Uh, I was thinking, oh, I'll just come in and I'll, you know... I'll help in the room and then I'll leave for the flight because he knows I'm leaving for the flight. And then he started to break down something for me to write for the episode. And yeah. I was like, Oh, I'm racing to a flight. He goes, okay, then I'll just, I'll just give you this quickly. And he gave me the thing and I thought I had to write it then. <laughs> and oh, actually he was sending it over people the off to write it over the break. But anyway, I finished it. So and then you had the then, whole break to party. Yeah. It was a very stressful time racing to the airport though. <laughs> I how was the airport? Was it busy? No, it was it was very Dead. empty. Dead. I went and I, New York was very I empty, left and after the train lunch. was very empty on our way up to Thanksgiving with the relatives. I left at lunch on Tuesday, drove to the airport, plenty of parking. Yeah, walked right. I was the only guy at insecurity. What's the deal? Did people leave earlier this year? I don't know. It was strange. It was strange in New York too. It was like I just fucking I like. If there, crushed it with the times I left. If there are any New Yorkers who know, I feel like even versus last year, mm-hmm. any New Yorkers who know why the city seemed to be more empty this year, um, I would love to know. Yeah. My mother had a theory that that because property rates have gone up, there are more wealthy people living in Manhattan, and uh, and therefore they could all afford expensive vacations. Interesting. Well, listen, we had a Manhattan Thanksgiving, the two of us. Actually, I was in Westport, Connecticut. Never actually made it to Manhattan. Is that where Dory's people are? Yeah, uh, Dory's brother lives there, yeah. I see. Anyway, uh, those are the hails, people. Now we have this day in Trek. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and uh, Matthew, the uh, the hit playing <laughs> that ye that that day that, that ye? week <laughs> um, was Richard Marx's "Satisfied." That you know, it's the, not even one of his top songs that comes up. I mean, I love I love this song from Hamilton, so I was glad that they revived the. Uh, <laughs> it's not the Richard Marx hit. It's a totally different "Satisfied." I don't even know what you're talking about. I know I'm playing to a very specific subset of Hamilton to track fans. Oh, I bet that's not specific. I bet it's very. You think overrated. it's wide? It's, I bet it's a wide swath because. Quite frankly, uh, Hamilton's a t- uh, cultural touchstone, and I—I'm uh, going to skip into the music video here. Still no music at 23 seconds in. Wow. Here we go. What do they call that story portion at the beginning of a video? Do they have a name for it? Wasted time. Mm-hmm. Um, except in Thriller. Um, <laughs> I have no memory of this song at all. Me either, but Richard seems to be enjoying himself singing for a. Uh, oh, yeah, I probably just would have turned singing off. for a dishwasher. Nothing personal to Richard Marks, but I probably would have turned off. Does he do Sarah, or is that somebody else? I have no idea. I remember Rosanna Arquette was in that video. Anyhow, I love that I could become a Facebook fan of Richard Marks right here. Oh really? Yeah. Did he, did he post this? Uh, <laughs> hey guys, remember me? Let's see how many fans Richard Marks has on Facebook. 793,321. Is that him today? That's him today. That guy's held up well. He's clearly had some work done, but it's not offensive work. I think he's uh, he's really keeping it together. All right. Um, the UK was listening to Sealed with a Kiss by Jason Donovan. I'm going to put that shape. on at some point. I don't... Uh, <laughs> I don't. I'm lost in Richard Marx's Facebook right. photos now. I know Donovan was always discussed, and I don't know that I even know any of his songs, so if you want to put one of those on. The Russia House by John Lacare was a bestseller, and uh, just a week after holding the reins at the box office, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, was deposed by Ghostbusters 2. Um, I feel like I had a part in that. Uh, a mob of 250 people were arrested at Stonehenge by British police for celebrating the summer solstice. The Ayatollah, Ayatollah Khomeini's first uh, funeral was aborted by uh, after mourners knocked the wooden casket to the ground. And zealots tore at the religious leader's burial shroud after his body was revealed. Time magazine's cover. A Chinese protester facing down a tank with the caption, Revolt Against Communism, China, Poland, USSR. And that is your This Day in Trek. That is This Day in Trek. And that is This Day in Richard Marks. All right. Finally, we're going to talk about Star Trek, everybody. Uh, you excited. want to jot down where we 25 minutes. All right. Not my favorite. Okay. What I else? like it when we keep it under 17 minutes. Uh-huh. Uh, granted, I did ask you a lot of questions about Thanksgiving that didn't need to get asked in that portion of the show. <laughs> Uh, production number 145, Manhunt, aired the week of June 19th, 1989. That's a late airing for a television program. And a I was just laughing at Matt's joke, by the way. I wasn't laughing at my joke. Star date 42859.2. Directed by Rob Bowman and written by Terry Devereaux, a.k.a. Trace, Trace Bolo. Nope. 
Tracy Torme. Uh, we have a uh, side note. Tracy Torme was a writer on SNL in 82 and 83 and co-created sliders, which I thought was interesting. 82 and 83. Is that the Chris Guest years? I think so. Yes. That was decent years. Bouncing back from Gene Dominion. Those are the post. Those are the, is that the, that's the, is that the tail end of Lauren or is that? It's the beginning of the new Lauren era. The beginning of the new Lauren. No, it's not. Because the Lauren era, the non-Lauren era, uh-huh. which is the Dick Ebersol era, right? Oh, I thought it was Gene Dominion or was Dick Ebersol the sort of above her? Oh, I thought Dick Ebersol took over the show. Um, you know, was, the NBC sports guy. <laughs> I mean, he always, didn't he always have a hand? <laughs> really? <laughs> I really derailed it. 80 to 85 was Dick Ebersol. Yeah, I think he was always sort of had a hand in it. I think the the Gene Dominion era was 80 to 81. After the 79-80 season, Michaels attempted to take a break and appoint Al Franken as his successor. However, they passed on Franken. So then, yeah, Gene Dominion. But Al Franken wouldn't be dealing with all that hassle now if he uh, was just a TV producer. <laughs> oh, maybe. Or more. More yeah, hassle. Yeah. So 83-84. Hassle not being an opinion on what the situation is. 83-84 <laughs> was... Uh, Wait, what were we just talking about? With Trace Bolo. Trace, no, why do I keep saying all, Trace Bolo? We are all over the place. What is happening? All over the place. Let's just get down to brass tacks. Fair here. enough. Here's the plot. While picking up Antedian delegates on diplomatic escort duty, the Enterprise is graced once again by Troy's mother, Loxana, who checks aboard this time with full ambassadorial status as a delegate. Her daughter is dismayed to learn that Loxana is not only chasing Picard again, but in the midst of the Betazoid phase, a midlife female crisis cycle, rather, that quadruples, or at least at least quadruples the woman's sex drive. Picard escapes from Luxana's dinner for two trap and flees into the holodeck to hide out and play Dixon Hill, his favorite gumshoe. Luxana moves on to a short-lived engagement with Riker, then tracks both men down in the holodeck, only to fall for the film's program for the program's bartender. I mean, like, were, you, were you fighting yawn in the middle? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in sick bay, a fish like the fish-like Antedians have remained in a trance. Their race's preferred state for deep space travel. Upon arrival at the Pacifica Conference, they awaken to prepare to beam down just ahead of Loxana. The whole flight, having been a waste of time for her, Troy's mother finally shows off her telepathic powers by casually pointing out that the two Antedians are assassins carrying undetectable explosives with which to bomb the conference. With security officers sheepishly standing by, a departing Loxana manages to redden her old friend Picard's face one more time. Hoy. I really did not like this episode. <laughs> uh, and clearly Tracy Torme didn't like it either. I think Tracy Torme's big complaint was um, the portrayal of Dixon Hill, which he had created in the previous episode, I think. That was his big complaint. Why would he care about that? I don't know. I mean, the only thing that's the main issue with that, as far as I'm concerned, is that nothing happens in that plot. Captain's log, stardate 42859.2. We're in orbit around Antidi 3, awaiting the arrival of two dignitaries. Our mission is to escort them to a conference on planet Pacifica, where they will be given the opportunity to join the Federation. Full-on dress uniform pretty exciting stuff for me i really like a dress uniform sure 
No one else is in dress uniform, just the captain. Yep. I thought you might find this interesting, Mr. Crusher. Few humans have seen an Antedian in the flesh. Does everybody not have to get into dress uniform? I mean, I feel like they should, right? Yeah. Welcome. I'm Jean-Luc Picard, captain of the Enterprise. <laughs> so, right off the bat, Picard seems like, hmm, what's going on? But he knows what's going on. Yes, it's so weird that he decides to announce himself rather than being like, oh, they're in that state of uh, trance that we can't uh, right. really communicate them with. In that, it, it's This is crazy. It's just bad writing right off the bat. Yes, this is their preferred way of space travel. Their physical condition is good enough. Concerning the circumstances... It is a- These are the purple fish, which I was trying to get that line changed in your script, where oh. you, where Murray says to Adam, is it the one with the purple fish? And I said, well, there are purple fish in, in Star Trek The Next Generation. And everyone in the room looked at me like, why are you saying this out loud? I didn't, think, I didn't look at you that way. <laughs> I, I will say again, there were many adjustments to dialogue and everything in my episode that I wanted to make, and I was reacted to. Much like Matt was in that moment with the purple fish. Self-induced catatonic state. Their way of dealing with the trauma of space flight. Trauma. Will we try to revive them? No. Not until we reach the Pacifica Conference three days from now. Doctor, have you prepared a sick baby? Three days from now. That's such terrible writing. As soon as I can make some adjustments, their physiology is unusual. You can store them for a few hours? Sure. I'll have them kept here out of the way. Does that strike you as terrible writing because it should have been more specific? What do you mean? Uh, Three days from now. (laughs) Just, it's so much, it's it's a lot of pipe. Oh, oh, sure, sure. It's it's too much pipe. Sure. Like, it would have been a better line if, if Picard said, we, until they get the Pacifica conference, and Wesley then said, but that's three days from now. Right. And then Picard said, yes, they can... Da, 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 <laughs> that's a da, da, really da. good point. Just make it a more conversational <laughs> yeah. exchange. Instead of, until we get to the Pacifica conference, three days from now. <laughs> I'm going to go now. Lay some more pipe in this hallway. Yep. What's in that container? Oh, they're really the purple fish. I read it's them as blue food. somehow. When they come out of stasis, they'll be very hungry. Seems like they eat this in great quantities. I feel like there's a lot of xenophobia. What a handsome race! And I wonder if that is per- the purpose of that is to counteract this, them. Everybody being like, "Weird, they eat this. What a bunch of weirdos! These the creatures that are different than us are weird." And so then you got to have Worf going, "What a handsome race." Well, I, I like that note for Worf. I do like that note. Yeah. Yes. Although, it, uh, as with everything else in this episode, it goes nowhere. <laughs> like, it's a sta- like, oh, great. It's, he's got a weird thing. for He's got a weird heart on for these purple fish people. Like, I've, that's really interesting. Why? They, they have an ev- there's no evidence of them being... They could also be putting uh, out Warriors a, uh, or anything. That would have made more sense. They could no. be putting out a pheromone that Worf finds attractive. Mm, interesting. I have a passenger. Andy, why are you standing for the podcast? Let me talk to them. I'm sure I'm more articulate than that. Mother. Captain, we are receiving Starfleet orders granting a Luaxana... Luaxana Troy, a daughter of the fifth house, holder of the sacred chalice of Reeks, heir to the holy rings of Betazet. Full ambassadorial status, sir. It looks like it's back into that dress uniform, sir. And yours as well, Commander. 
She is listed as representing the Beta Z government at the conference. Mother, please don't do this to me. Do what to you, little one? Oh, Jean Luc, what naughty thoughts! Same joke. But how Always wonderful you still think of me like that. He looks flustered. the same joke every single time and it's not that good a joke how would you change it andy i would come up with different ways for her to use her telepathy (laughs) that doesn't read just as her lying um (laughs) be funny if she was like bringing up childhood trauma that each person had had like (laughs) that's what they were thinking about you know i don't think it would be the worst thing for, for her to like to use her her rudeness to reveal stuff about the characters. Yeah. It's uh, kind of in a way she's she's sort of an extension of the problem of Troy in that you you're limited by what Troy can say and can't say and what she can perceive and not perceive with the emotions. And uh, with her, it's like, well, we can't just have her saying, well, you know, Riker's thinking about having sex with you constantly or whatever it is. So instead, they have her just being coy or making like if shit they, if up. She was all walking the time. down the hallway with Riker and yeah. Troy, and he, she was like, "Really, Will? Her too? Yeah, <laughs> that'd Something. be fun. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Looking at the crewmen as they yeah. pass. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> just a different shade. Um, now there are two of them are in dress uniforms, and uh, Troy is not even in a uniform. Still, right." Oh, it will be pleasant to have her as a guest of the Enterprise again. Energize. Legs! Where are the legs? Where they belong, Mother, right under you. Oh, I hate that. I will never completely trust this device, John Luke. I wish that there was a transporter accident. <laughs> She had no legs coming in. And her legs were cut off by, that by would O'Brien. Have been amazing. Uh, all right. I mean, let's have some hallway fun, I suppose. You don't want to see uh, Mr. Homs arrive? I'll carry it. Not that it will read on. Then they do the same joke they did last time, except this time Riker is carrying the heavy thing. Remember that the last time we saw this episode? I sure do. Remember how funny it was then? Down this corridor. Uh, I will say Mr. Hom. He has nice legs too, little one. Is he still yours? Humans no longer own each other that way, Mother. Really? (laughs) You were married to a human being. Right. For God knows how many years, Loxana. Seems like you didn't... uh, Feels like you'd know these kinds of things. You also weren't... You didn't... the, the, The base of your relationship wasn't that you owned him. Seems like it wouldn't have been that. Side note, you call her Loxana. Yeah. Everyone else calls her Loxana. She calls herself Lawaxana. Oh, for sure. That's a <laughs> Majel Barrett. Um, Majel, could you just um, could you just do me a favor and uh, no? Oh, oh, okay, great, great. Let's roll it again. Let's roll it again. <laughs> I'm Gene Roddenberry's wife. Sure, sure. I'll be over here you on the Gene Roddenberry stage. You got it. <laughs> That's a custom we may have to introduce again. Riker can't carry this big bag. Glad to help. 
trust you will be comfortable here, if you will excuse me. Um, I am serving a Betazoid dinner of greeting tonight, Captain. It is an ambassadorial function. It sounds delightful. <laughs> He's a fine man. Solid. He's reliable. He's a little bit on the stuffy side, but, uh, Oh, no, he's not that bad. I can't believe you, Mother. You sound like you're sizing up a commodity. But that's exactly what men are, darling, especially human men. Was your father ever unhappy with me? No. He worshipped you. But I don't think I'll ever learn to see men the way you do. You will as you mature, darling. I wonder why Troy... And the men in your life are going to bless you for it. You're so beautiful. What I wonder why Troy has uh, a different perspective on men, and it should have been addressed. I think it would have been interesting that she comes from a matriarchal society and uh, and yet, you know, grew into a more well, I think she's half human. I think that's the whole... Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's the crux of every half-breed in Star Trek. Right. Kind of, kind of sounds a little bit prejudiced, the way you're saying half-breed. I said it more like McCoy than anybody. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Carl Streakin. I don't know if I'm... Please let me know how to I pronounce Mr. Wait. Hom's voice. I cannot wait to hear Andy's trivia. Uh, actually, I don't have that much trivia. He obviously... I think I covered it before. He was the giant in Twin Peaks... And uh, it's Mr. Hom. Yeah. I just got to say, a lot of times somebody's chosen for their physical stature, mm-hmm. like little people or giants. Little people or large people. I or think... fat people or very skinny people. Exactly. Or weirdos for <laughs> True. circus shows. Just weird looking people. Uh, this guy, I think, is one of the best guest actress that's ever been on the show as far as I'm concerned. He doesn't say a word, and his presence is felt every time he's on screen. He's the only one with a grounded performance. He's the funniest. <laughs> he's the only one with a grounded performance that's so funny and very true. I mean, <sighs> it's really good. Even, well, sorry, I really got on that mic. Sorry, everybody. Even the, uh, let me pull me down. There we go. Even the stuff with um, the in-between stuff. Like, this episode really has no function. And no drive, no plot. 100%. Uh, it's interesting because it's supposed to be... I mean, I, it, it, it toes the line between being farcical. Uh-huh. Uh, it poorly toes the line. Uh, it's way steep in the line. In the of, of, In the line of being farcical and also... Curious what the next thing you're going to say. As far as I'm concerned, it's failed farce and nothing else. You know what? You're <laughs> there's 100% no danger. Right. There's no. There's no forward momentum. There's no goal. There's no plot. There's no plot. The the B plot is the Antedians, and they're asleep the whole episode until the end when she goes, "Oh, they have a bomb." <laughs> it's like, and then and then they're not even dangerous when she discovers they have a bomb. They're like, "I'm a fish." She should have blown it. They should have blown up right there. Yeah. Or they should have taken her hostage because they knew she was the threat. They wake up. Nobody sees that they've woken up in the middle of the episode. That It's kind of great that they'd be scary looking. And then you have threats on the ship. And they wonder, why are they going after Luoxana? And uh, and it's because she's the only one that can blow their cover. Ugh. 
Thank you. actually complimented Captain Picard on his legs. They give a lot of this. I would have thought a telepath would be more discreet. Will we? Exactly the opposite. She knows what's on your mind, and she lets you know what's on hers. I love that ops and navigation Doing are nothing. not at all sure. paying any attention to anything but Riker's. Yeah. I mean, look at his posture right there. <laughs> He's. Looks like he's kind of hitting on Wesley, actually. That's a, that's a man who owns that bridge. <laughs> he sure does. Look at him swagger around. Uh, there's a slow, There's a solar flare, sir. It's he was about laughing. To, oh, was he laughing? Data was laughing. Oh. Data attempted to laugh there. With, with Did no, he fake it? No dialogue mentioned whatsoever of him laughing. Let's play it back for Andy, who missed it last time he watched it. Great, sir. Exactly the opposite. She knows what's on your mind, and she lets you know what's on hers. <laughs> Gentlemen. That's great. I enjoy that. I wonder if it said they laugh and and um, Spiner just decided, hey, I want to make a little moment out of this. There should be more of a moment made of Data laughing. I think we must not lose sight of the fact that we are talking about someone who has been granted ambassadorial rank, even though she may appear somewhat eccentric. Though Oksana Troy must be treated with the appropriate respect. Is that understood? If you're watching this episode, uh, go ahead and take a look at the nine-minute mark. Uh, the engineering station behind Picard looks like the warp core is about to blow up. There's a lot happening. Side note, in the script, uh, just on the thing of uh, Data uh, laughing, it says, most of them are laughing, except Data, who is smiling slightly. Even Worf seems almost amused. There was a lot of description about what people's reactions were. <laughs> Wow. Instead of any plot description. The guard to Pulaski. Yes, Captain. When did you last look in on the Antedian guests? You know, uh, do you have a, a pseudonym registered with the guild? I don't. Should I? Mine is Andy Secunda. <laughs> uh, so pretty excited about that. <laughs> no, then I want to get all your crappy stuff. <laughs> what all we, the stuff that you want to take we, my name What if we of? made the deal... <laughs> What if we made a deal that your pseudonym would be Matthew Myra? Because I never go by Matthew Myra on scripts or anything like that. It's uh-huh. always Matt. Uh-huh. And mine was Andy Secunda. People would definitely associate Andy Secunda with with your... with uh... <laughs> Most people think of me as Andy, even though all my professional credits are Andrew. I know, but that would be very funny to me. To you. <laughs> Uh, Can you imagine all the terrible work in our future that we're going to want to put pseudonyms on? I'm going to register to the guild right now. Yeah. We should do a show together where we, every other script we trade off. We just write every episode, every other script, and then we just keep using each other's names. Sure. (laughs) Deliberately trying to make a worse episode than the other one. Sure. They're still catatonic. Status of the beings is unchanged. Pulse, still steady. Respiration, normal for them. Now that look Understood. is total racism. Got out. I'll be in my corner. Normal for them. Alien racism. Will be a drip. Now the engineering. Uh, now the engineering thing is off completely. Oh gosh, you're right. It's terrifying. I mean, there's some stuff happening in engineering that we don't know about. I think, what if like we cut I think the writers what if we and cut, the crew most of them weren't event, weren't like present during this episode we should, we should cut to Jordy right now in engineering and it looks like he just like slid through a chimney like we don't yeah. know what's happening maybe there's a puff of smoke behind him by the way Jordy's not in this episode so uh 
Oh my God, that's what this Here's a that's what this is missing. <laughs> Jordy is uh, on vacation. That's your theory. It's not much of a theory. That's a terrible theory. That's why you're I really gonna work out your theories. <laughs> is is he on vacation? Is he at like some sort of trade show for mechaphiles? Nope, is he nope. at some no sort more of convention? Nope. For is he at an engineering nope. conference? He's just on vacation. Is he on Risa <laughs> with, nope. with 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 Ensign Gomez, and then they break up on this trip, and then she uh, cannot return to duty on the Ooh, Enterprise. That's a great one. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> Great theory, Andy. <laughs> Wait a minute. Sir? Uh, I don't know where it is. Here it is. Andy's theories are yeah. very interesting. Matt's. Really <laughs> so that's my backstory right now. So the, the two of them hit it off. They started dating for a sure. little while. This is their uh-huh. first vacation together. Of course, there's a huge flaw in your story already. What is it? Well, I don't think that they started dating. I think that they uh, that Ensign Gomez was like, it's finally going to happen. We're going on vacation together thinking this was going to happen oh i see i and see and what you continue your story well i was just going to say they went to risa you know which is a pleasure planet sure and uh it turns out their pleasures were very different <laughs> very from different each other. and they had a real come she, to jesus moment where they were like Listen. she walked in and thought that they were going to be yeah. having some sexy times and she finds jordy uh humping a um a personified warp nacelle uh jordy had had literally uh, taken apart uh, all of his luggage and built an actual force field that he referred to as the friend zone <laughs> and he placed selena in it and uh sonia, sonia rather uh, in it and uh because of that uh this is this is this she then realized she must request a transfer away from the Enterprise, and that's why we never see her again. It's too humiliating. That's all. That's all happening during this episode. That's great. To which dinner was the captain referring, sir? Nothing. I've been invited to. Any of you? Ding, do, ding, ding, ding. Comedy. Very interesting. I enjoyed this. This was fine. I like this scene. Uh-huh. Uh I also like that Riker really just leans hard on that Elkar's panel on uh, the captain's uh, <laughs> chair. What does it do? It could do anything. It could fire torpedoes. <laughs> it could accidentally fire <laughs> phasers. I would love. He's just leaning on it, raising his eyebrow. Very interesting. <laughs> Going to red alert. Like, any number of things could be happening. Doctor? Doctor. You're not Doctor. attending the dinner with the rest of us this evening. Well, I've already eaten, but thanks, Captain. It's good he wasn't actually asking her out there. That would have been a hard shutdown. Look at even the way that Mr. Hum is pouring the drink. It's with a studied casualness. I mean, what do you think of his performance of drinking all of this Romulan ale? If, it, if it's blue, it's Romulan ale to me. I was, I was thinking that, that also the bottle looks exactly like the bottle that Bones gives um, Kirk in Wrath of Khan. He just pours it down. Does a really good job of pouring it down, that blue water. Do you think he did this in one take? No. <laughs> no way? <laughs> they wouldn't have cut away if he did oh, it Oh, I think it, just took, it took too long. Oh. I think they just did a time cut. I think he did it in one take. He is a giant, but I don't think so. He he bows. Look at that. Look at that performance. This guy's the best. He's still alive. He was in the last Twin Peaks. 
of the last episode of the season? I don't know, but he was in the last. I'm sure the other. Oh, maybe he died since then, but he was in the new Twin Peaks. <laughs> Spoiler: We're saying he died since three months ago. <laughs> no, I'm well as possible. <laughs> we'll just check it out just to be sure. <laughs> oh boy! I wonder if he had any parts that weren't a weirdo. I know what you're thinking, Captain. You do? You're wondering whether I'm seeing any other man on a serious basis. Well, actually, I wasn't... uh... I wouldn't worry about it, Jean-Luc. Competition seems to bring out the best in the human male. The fact is, I, um... I'm seeing Lieutenant Riker. expecting this, uh, this setting. Commander. Commander, I assume sorry. that my senior bridge officers will be attending. <laughs> you never assume anything where Loaxana Troy is concerned. Loaxana. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice the footsie. Oh, yeah. The first oh, time. I like the window in the back. That's pretty cool. You get the stars flying by. I'm not really by. very hungry tonight. I wonder what's made me lose my appetite. Any ideas? It's the same thing as the last episode. Of course. You're giving thanks for your food. I had forgotten about that. We hadn't. I wonder how many other cultures have similar customs. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I like the spin out of this. Yes. Let's find out. Commander Data. Yes, Captain. Mrs. Troy and I are having a very interesting discussion about various societies' ways of giving thanks. The Betazoid's use of the chime, for instance. The use of the chime is quite unique, but not at all dissimilar to the Ulans of Marigeritus VI, who use two large stones which are continuously struck together during the meal. Those at the dinner must eat until the stones are broken. That's my kind of Or idea. the oligarchy at Active Spore, which requires a young... Data, this is fascinating. Don't you agree, Mrs. Troy? Uh, Commander, if your duties permit, why don't you join us for dessert? I'm sure that Mrs. Troy would much appreciate the pleasure of your company. Hmm. What? Indeed, sir. I'm on my way. Data out. Commander Kreiker, Riker just caused a major problem. How could you problem think I would want to share our me. special time to- uh, Riker leaned on your <laughs> controls, on your chair, and, uh, well, an long story short, we are actually <laughs> at war with the Antedians. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think this was smart. I think he plays it smart. Uh, the, the way they get into it, bringing data down, I'm sure using Mrs. data to cock block Loaxana. One about the anomalous chemical composition of um, brown dwarf stars. Not really. Yes, Captain. That is a particularly spellbinding subject. In most stars, the rare earth element europium is enriched relative to samarium and gadolinium. That's so. It is. However. <laughs> Your mother seems quite an interesting woman, Deanna. Hmm. Oh, here we go. We're going to get the long and the short of this here. something about my mother's condition at this time. Condition at this time? It's something that occurs to beta Z females as they enter midlife. We call it the phase. Midlife, as in a human female's menopause? Similar. It's only at midlife that a betazoid female becomes, well, 
fully sexual, if you know what I mean. Yes, I, I think I do. I know what the word sexual means. I also means. think that I saw the captain on his way to her quarters. I wonder if I shouldn't warn him. No. As ship's doctor, I'd consider it an excellent exercise for his reflexes and agility. Doctor? <laughs> for staying ahead of your mother. Yes. An animal is always at its best when hunted or when hunting. Now, what is she saying there? At this there? point, the second core... With when hunting. Referring to her mother. Oh, I see. So she's referring... Same Troy's good. referring to... Troy's referring to Picard. She's referring to... Loxana. Right. Um, uh, here's my... Uh, well, it's it's not at this point. It's later on. She... Is, we might never get to it. Uh, fair enough. Just because this episode is dragging on so hard it's really this hard. Episode, i mean I'm not we're doing a great job great <laughs> podcasting so everyone right now is listening to us they're like yeah do it andy this yeah, is our favorite Matt, episode go. we love it you guys are so funny <laughs> i don't think they're saying that oh, the um i think they're thinking oh i gotta take a left here because they're in a car um the uh that later on troy says well she usually is astute at reading people's thoughts except for now which I thought implied that her telepathy is Off, not yes. working. Yeah. Which, of course, doesn't explain how she knows that the Antedians have bombs at the end. Well, doesn't she, like, snap out of the snap out of it at the end? Which, of course, is never explained. The, she's rejected on a couple of bases, and then right. she's irritated, and then she leaves, and which is you- my problem with the whole episode, is, like, there's this... There's this straw man setup of you can't say no to her, you can't reject her. Why that would be disastrous. And so they're all not just saying no to her. And then at the end, they all just find ways to not have it be a yes. And she basically knows that they've rejected her. There is so little peril in this episode. Like, there's fake manufactured peril in the last four seconds of the episode. Right. Which is going to be an interesting call for MVC. Well, I guess my my problem with this scene with Picard is she, theoretically, if she has any sense at all, knows that he's not interested. Or she he, she has known that he was not interested in the past. Or he is interested. Yeah. In which case, let's deal with that. That's more interesting. And she should say that. Like, I know I mess with you a lot, but actually, I know that you're kind of into me. So what are we doing here? Let's get into it and see how Picard handles that. Andy, I think you just found your new opening line on all dating apps. <laughs> Look, I'm a beta Z, ladies. And I got to say, we know what's going on here. <laughs> block, 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 block. <laughs> what happened? What happened? Oh, I've been kicked off every app. <laughs> uh, you shouldn't open by saying you're a beta Z. Is it Zed or Zoid? It's a Zoid. Beta Zoid. Because Beta Zoid. They're from Beta Zed. Yeah. Yeah. Human. Humanoid. Beta Zed. <laughs> Beta Zoid. As charming as your father was. Accessing. I like that Mr. Hom is still drinking when he's doing this. Mr. Hom knows how to party. Somebody make a t-shirt for me that says that. <laughs> Data, you will never know how much I owe you for that. Indeed, Captain. I know many more interesting anecdotes, sir. For example... Data. Sir? Later. Yes, sir. Great little scene. 
Why would you come aboard at a time like this? Well, I had no choice. I was going to Pacifica, you were going to Pacifica. Don't be absurd, Mother. You knew what would happen. I don't know why she feels like she has to... <laughs> Mr. Hom downing the rest of the liquor. Uh, that, what a performance. What stage is it in? Oh, I have it completely under control. What stage is it in? Well, far enough along for me to enjoy it, little one. Now I know why you wore that dress. Oh, don't, don't be ridiculous. This simple little dress? Nothing provocative about it. What are we going to do? Well, I'm going to do the only honorable thing there is to do. And I'd say your captain has the inside track. Mother, don't even think it. Why not? He was thinking about it all through dinner. So is that true? <sighs> uh, I don't know. It's unclear. You were thinking about it all through dinner. Well, I guess we do address this. I tell you, Diana, for a telepath, your mother's accuracy leaves much to be desired. Well, there's Actually, the answer. her telepathic prowess is quite advanced. Except for now. What about the past? Except for now. Don't misunderstand me. Counsel, I... Your mother is a beautiful person. My mother is beginning a physiological phase. It's one that all Betazoid women must deal with as they enter midlife. Is it something Troy warned me about when we first started to see each other? A Betazoid woman, when she goes through this phase... Kind of mansplaining. Quadruples her sex drive. Or more. But two... To a Picard. No, to Picard. Oh, to Picard. Well, or more. But you Well, whatever. Never told me that. I so didn't frighten you. I like that. I like she that they're. She has opted for kind the of only flirting. He's like smiling up a storm. Isolation. She has decided to focus all her sexual energy on one male who will, of course, eventually become her husband. It seems, Captain, that. You are the early favorite. Congratulations, sir. I'm not amused, number one. There must be some way to convince her that it's quite impossible without offending her. So this seems to be the crux of the episode right here. This, this... I have a new theory. Oh, let's hear it. What if Picard has no genitalia? <laughs> That's what he means by it's quite impossible. <laughs> Interesting. That's why he's so uncomfortable in any sexual situation. I'll allow it. He's like, smooth like, uh, like a Ken doll. To this, Captain. A Betazoid woman in the face would be shocked and deeply resentful should you spurn any such advances. It's very important that she you She would don't. take it personally. Well, under the circumstances, I think it would be prudent if I were to make myself less available for the duration of the journey. Agreed. <laughs> They're happy. Setting, San Francisco, the California, United States Riker of America. Riker he's about to ask him on a, on a vacation of his own. AD, the office of Dixon Hill, private investigator. Got all dressed yeah, that up. That would be A.C.E. Oh. Instead of AD. Interesting. If they were writing dialogue for scientists. Uh-huh. Anyway, that's just me. And, I mean, I, I, I so don't this have is a, a ton of patience for Dixon Hill stuff. But. I can only tell you that this is a scene where they spend, like, two or three minutes with him walking around the office 
that we have already seen in another episode. And he did the same thing on. And I don't know why at this stage in the second season of Next Generation, they still feel like the audience needs to see people go like, oh, it's the holodeck. It Look, is it's, a, literally, it's an entirely different. So look at the, the set and all the details. It's, just so, it's literally a full minute of him walking around the office. It's crazy. There's a gentleman here to see you, Mr. Hill. And he doesn't look like a client. Hill. The name is Slade Bender. Excuse me. What can I do for you, Mr. Bender? It's about Alva. You'll have to be a little more precise. Okay, you want to play stupid. That's Jake with me. A week ago, a man came in here. He wanted you to find his girlfriend. Name's Alva. Did I find her? It seems like you know you're getting on my nerves. A dumb way for you the holodeck to right. set up a case. Face down in the river. To go, you should know about all this already. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, yeah, we're all broken up about it. Especially the boyfriend who's been indicted for murder. It's a lot of exposition that I'm sure will go somewhere. Ask for a refund. Nah, I'm here to kill you. Computer freeze program. Computer, this isn't what I wanted at all. It's much too violent. I'm here to relax, not to dodge bullets. Reconfigure. Please define. I don't understand why he doesn't understand how this fucking holodeck program works. Clear. That people are constantly trying to kill this character that he loves. It still isn't right. What, what do you mean? One kind of violence has been substituted for another. Reconfigure. You may continue. Thank you. You're true ducking me, Hill! Computer freeze program! Is this comedy? I don't understand what the intention of it is. Variations on a theme. Computer, perhaps... I am not clearly defining my intent. The flexibility of the program is limited to the parameters of the Dixon Hill novels. <gasps> I have another theory. Yes. Go ahead, Andy. Loaxana is controlling the computer program. That's why they have the same voice. <laughs> it's her personality that has somehow been absorbed into the program. And uh, is trying to get him out of the holodeck because none of this is logical in any way, shape, or form. Like he clear, he's made his opinion clear to the computer. Yeah, he doesn't want it to be violent. No, but I th- and it's heightening the no, violence every step is. of the way. Here's what I think it is, though. Okay, I feel like it's like one of these like uh, DRM protected programs, like I don't know what digital is. rights management. Okay, where like you know the Federation Starfleet has purchased the Dixon Hill program. Uh-huh. For their starships, okay, and you can only use it within the parameters of the Dixon Hill program. So it's not a program that can be modified because it's copywritten material. <laughs> that's, that's another valid <laughs> theory, and that's why he's having trouble with all of this. It seems seems like an advanced AI on a computer that's sole purpose was to provide the crew with uh, the entertainment that they wished would be able to take the note a little less violent. Well, I think that <laughs> but, the program uh, only allows for so much. Um, side note, Slade Bender is played by character actor Robert Costanzo. Um, Saturday Night Fever, Total Recall, Die Hard 2, Barney Miller, Hill Street Blues, Family Ties, 
and Joey Tribbiani's father on Friends. Oh, yeah. And not mentioned in Memory Alpha, he was the voice of uh, Harvey Bullock from the Batman cartoon. Mm. A much better use of that character. Well, let's check in on Worf and his love of these fish. Okay. Mick that didn't quite come out the way I meant, sir. I still say they look better in sauce. Well, when will the good captain revive them? Not until we reach Pacifica, ma'am. You seem a fine boy. One day you'll grow up to be a big, strong man. But I'm afraid I cannot afford to wait for you to mature. Now that's more like it. Your thoughts, they're primal, savage. I like that in a man. Does I am not a man. Is she able to read well, this? Which thoughts? is in your or favor. Not? Men so often being irrational and egotistical. But unfortunately, I've grown accustomed to human companionship. Pity. You'd have made a fine choice. Well, who is next, Mr. Holm? Ah, yes. Jordy reference. Let's do it. Puts his hand over I'm his, not his eyes. Longer. We don't see what happens to Jordy. Well, she goes down to the engineering, hey, but he is left for Risa. Oh, right, of course. How foolish of me. <gasps> there is a scene between them. All right, let's hear it. All right. Do you, uh, you want to get in on this? Here you play. Oh, boy. This is a little theater. Who's okay. who? Uh, uh, I'll, I'll be Mrs. Troy. Great. Um, Jordy's at a station. The matter-antimatter core is throbbing as Mrs. Troy... Oh, throbbing. Really getting hot already. As Mrs. Troy and Mr. Hom approach. Lieutenant LaForge, I wish to be direct with you. I prefer it that way. Now, what are you uh, being direct about? I've decided to give you... To give all the bridge officers an equal opportunity to gain my favor. I see. Ah, but you don't, and that's the problem. I wonder whether a sightless man could ever appreciate great beauty. That's funny. I've always had the same doubts about the sighted. Odd. How so? Because my eyes don't seduce my mind. I'm driven to find beauty in other things. Things sighted people tend to ignore. The lovely temperature gradations of the bodies, the moisture patterns, or the indications of inner peace and harmony. Very interesting, Lieutenant. But I'm not sure if that's good or bad. A less perceptive man could be easier to live with. Stay on a puzzled Geordie watching... I'm puzzled. Miss Troy and Hom as they exit. That's it. I can see why that scene was good. <laughs> That was it. <laughs> well, you got a little, you got a little piece of it. Sorry, Jordy. <laughs> you would have been great. There's also more with Picard and Slade. I'll see. I don't need any more with Picard and Slade. No. Activate program. Leaving, Dix. Uh huh. You're not going to Rex's bar, are you? Rex's bar. Why do you ask? It's one of the messages I left on your desk. Well, that sounds like an excellent idea. Would you care to join me? Me? Have a drink with you? Why not? There ain't no why not about it. It's just that this is the first time you ever asked. Is that a problem? Not for me. But you better take this. Why? Because if we're going to Rex's bar, 
You're gonna need it. He's very adept at a at a pistol. <laughs> this music reminds me of the fact that I've been playing L.A. Noir again. You know, I started to play that, and something about it didn't. I mean, I love seeing old L.A., but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. It felt like the it was too labored to get through the the interrogations. <laughs> you do you enjoy those? Yeah, I do. I like. Uh, I mean, it's so it's such an innovative game, and it's oh, ten years ago now that it came out. Yeah, they just remastered it for PlayStation Four, so I got it. Oh, all right, maybe I'll get and it. I was. Uh, Having a good time with the interrogations, like the act, like that face mapping they did on it, it's incredible. There's no, uh, uh, although the 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 cutscenes in video games still have a robotic quality to them. Why is that? Some do. Depends on what you're playing. Um, you think the cutscenes in Arkham have a robotic quality? No, those are a little bit better, but to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he's wearing a mask a lot of the time, so. I mean, it could be like. Um, that is true. He does seem very stale when he's Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, you know, the I miss the big CD-ROM productions of your like, uh, like, fucking Wing Commander. You sure. know. Yeah. Or like there was like a few. There was a Q. There's a Q board game. Borg game that was a CD-ROM. Uh, yeah. Uh that i mean it was it was set in the voyager timeline uh and it was like they shot all this footage uh there's a there's an action scene that they cut where picard here karate chops a guy this is i'm sorry listen anywhere anytime i'm just gonna play a clip from this game this is the stuff that i miss this kind of uh this kind of thing I'll skip in a little bit. This game was called Star Trek Borg. Already, the He's amassing an armada in Sector 001 to defend against the latest Borg incursion. We, or rather, our ship is on her way to join them. This is really cool. They have the credits Star like Star Trek Next Generation credits. the Borg twice before. And we have every expectation of successfully stopping them now. However, given the probability of armed conflict, the captain has ordered that all non-essential personnel, including visiting Starfleet cadets, be transferred off the ship to a safer venue at the medical research facility on Marnus 3. At Wolf 3... Oh, so like, there's a whole backstory. Like, your characters, your characters' parents died at the Battle of Wolf Three Five Nine. Cool. Uh, and then you're heading out. You're packing up, but you can't go. You have you, you need to do something. And who's here to help? I'll tell you who. That's that's your dad. That's dead. Young. Temper, temper, young man. What would your father say? How old were you when your father was killed? Nine, ten years old, and you're still not over it. This Perhaps is great. I introduce myself. I imagine you've heard of me, though, Q. It's short for Q. It was I, you know, who introduced Picard to the Borg, and it's because of me that ten years ago the Borg came to Wolf 359 and found that fleet of ships and found your father and killed them all. At 0800 hours during the Battle of Wolf 359, the USS Righteous 
such a noble name, righteous, was hit by an unknown Borg weapons discharge and vaporized. Vaporized. No trace. Nothing so, to like, this is the game. You play this game. This is great. Yeah. I mean, this is a, here's part four. Let's just, I'm just going to skip in. I'm showing Andy the world of CD-ROM games from the from the early aughts. This is already like five times better than the episode we just watched. <laughs> <laughs> the CD-ROM game. <laughs> um, but you played Wing Commander, right? Uh, yes. I, I don't have that. What? Set, so. My implant. I don't understand. And Centargus's implant works along the same basic principles as the Borg circuit. But he now back he's back in time. Oh, yeah. Cool. She might be able to interface with the, the, uni- science the uniforms. Vessel? Is the uniforms are wrong, but that's not a science vessel uniform. No, these are D Space Nine uniforms. That's also what they were on Voyager. Of the kind. In truth, Captain, interfacing with the implant would be somewhat like autoneural stimulation, an experience which Ensign Targus is quite familiar with. Exactly the point, Captain. Ensign Targus's neural implant is designed to counteract the side effects of that kind of neural stimulation experience. This kind of neural input is. Does is, anybody uh, mind if I join in on this discussion? You're all talking about me as if I weren't here. Yeah, girl. Effects of your recovery, won't. Counselor, the concept of long-term effects loses its meaning when the entire Federation is in danger of obliteration. Finally, a new ship's counselor. This is amazing. The, the level of quality of the acting for a CG-ROM game is so high. Yeah, uh, that was. I mean, that was. I think we should of, review this one week. <laughs> we'd have to figure out how we'd be able to play it. I mean, oh, let's not forget the Klingon game that existed too. That one I've seen clips of. Yeah. I think what's his face, uh, uh, Chris Collins. The crystal is bigger than. I think Chris Collins. Who we had the big debate about. He played Cobra Commander. Was How about Starfleet Academy? You ever play that game? No. That had. If Sturek had proved this theory, the Vanguard would have lost a powerful propaganda weapon. So Cadet Gage blew up the lab. Then the Vanguard took and. For the special assignment, General. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Christopher Plummer is just that guy to you? A student. And not one of the characters. Got to get that Klingon ship simulation running by this afternoon. Pavel. Jesus. They got Kirk for it? Yep. Let's look at a recent skirmish between the Klingons and the USS Sentinel. Was there there enough money in in these kind of games at that point? I mean, apparently. Point is an Andorian. General Chang's in this. dishonor from his firstborn son. How will I live with this failure? We are forced to divert a quarter of our forces because you chose to disobey your orders. I wonder how much money they shoved at each of these people. Simulation deserved more than just a commencement award. Anyway, so these are these are just some of the little you're hearing what is actually full full video. Yeah. Uh, of these CD-ROM games, and, and it's part of why uh, how boring this episode is. That I've decided to check out what's going on in a Starfleet CD-ROM game. I respect that. Anyway, let's head down to Rex's bar where we get to know Rex for no reason. By the way, also Picard clearly is kind of flirting with with Trixie and. And he's going to take her down, and who knows what he's going to do, and then it's never addressed again. Because Picard has no genitals. Brian Ginger. (laughs) 
Uh, Money. Computer freeze program. Computer, give me 300 American dollars. <laughs> Computer resume program. Here you go. Keep forgetting the need to carry money. I must remember not to let this happen again. Right. I don't mind you being on the cuff, but you're up the sleeve halfway to my collar. Is that why you wanted to see me? About my barbell? No. It's on account of Jimmy Cuzo. Jimmy Cuzo? I know that name. Rob Bowman tried to justify the worth of this episode by saying I just thought it was interesting that we explored in that moment just you know how out of sorts uh, Picard is and with these old time values like the money and just like what what there's not a defense for this fucking waste of time in any way I wasn't laughing at a joke I was laughing at the ridiculousness of the episode uh the captain's not here um he is busy elsewhere ma'am oh I have other interests as well. You're scheming something, Mother. Don't try to fool me, I can tell. You're always so melodramatic, little one. I'm not scheming. I'm deciding. (laughs) It is weird that they choose to uh, emote as though they are speaking when they are communicating telepathically. It's true. (laughs) They don't have good poker faces. Mother, not him. And why not him? He's adorable. Mother, he's my sloppy seconds. <laughs> it is. And that should be addressed. Like, if, if it's, like, acceptable on Beta Z for a mother to go after her daughter's mm-hmm. ex-mate, then that should be addressed. That's interesting. Joined in the union of matrimony. Married. Until death must do part. Always giving Wes. So this is what's happening? And then he said this thing we just heard him say. That's what they're always giving Wes. You had responsibilities. What exactly did you mean? You know about my mother's cousin? The girl from San Antonio I told you about? Why is the holodeck doing this to him? Jimmy. as jumpy as haircut Lipinski trying to land on a fraction. Sorry to bother you, Captain. Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> that deserves the air horn right there. Oh, we gotta... We gotta... I don't want to be in that alt room. Um, <laughs> uh, FYI, uh, this uh, Act 3 originally ended with um, with some tough guy coming in Picard saying, I knew you'd say something like that. Marvelous. The tough guy is really ticked off by Picard's unfathomable to him remark. He jams the guns against Picard's ribs and uh, he shoots him. Mm -hmm. And then you end the act that way as he's astonished. And then you come back and he's like, hey, come on, drop. I shot you. No, the gun misfired. Thankfully, the holodeck is handling it correctly. And the mortality failsafe is functional. Even though, and then they get into a fight and Picard karate chops him. That sounds Captain, exciting. Call me Dix. Sorry to bother you, Dix, but our two passengers have awakened. Oh, then it's time for me to go. What about Jimmy Cuso? You can't leave Rex to face him alone. I'll be back before Jimmy Cuso arrives. I guarantee it will be taken care of. Just relax. Your friends have time for one drink, haven't they, Dix? Oh, yes, of course. One more round. Let's all sit in this non-moving plot. 
These are my associates. This is uh, Nails from Chicago, and this is uh, Carlos from South America. This is Madeline, my secretary, and I want you to meet Rex. You know, I don't think I ever heard your last name. Hmm. Don't think I have one. Just Rex, that's all. So, fellas, tell me your troubles. See, I like that. I like that line of dialogue. Because that line of dialogue states that, like, this is all based on a written existing property. Uh Uh-huh. And that the writer of the Dixon Hill novels in the 20th century or whatever never wrote a last name for Rex. Right, of course. And so and and so the holodeck is handling it in an intuitive way, which is to have him sort of say something that sounds a little bit like sarcasm, but also explains why he has no last Everything name. Everything the holodeck is doing is handled in an intuitive way. Picard is not reacting in an intuitive way to the holodeck, which is being intuitive. And by the way, if he's this obsessed with the Dixon Hill novels, why would he not want them to be violent if that was what he went in for? Again, who cares? Yes. Well, that's certainly the bottom line. I bet that's the broad with the big bucks. Hey, come on over here, darling. I've got the best stool in the house saved for you. So, this is where you've been hiding, Jean-Luc. Surprised you let this part of the ship get this dirty. Oh, relax, Commander. You've been making your true feelings quite clear, obviously. You feel unable to handle me. Anyway, why would a beautiful, high-class lady like yourself want to hook up with a mug like that? It's a good form, if you ask me. You are a very interesting person. You're not so bad yourself. In fact, you're as much class as this joint's ever seen. Here. On the house. It's French. Almost. This is the most remarkable man. I've never met anyone like him. I don't suppose you have. He's strong. I get no thoughts from him at all, nothing. But if you well, were I've in never the known state, a man I so able you... to keep his true feelings completely hidden. Wouldn't you not? Wouldn't you know that you wouldn't be able to read his thoughts? I think that she gets wrong thoughts, not no thoughts. And she's getting no thoughts off of this hologram. I do like that she's impressed by him because she can't read any thoughts. I think that's a, that is a clever way of handling a betazoid. That one's Mick Fleetwood, the tall one. Yes. Malowski to Captain Picard. Go ahead, Doctor. Our passengers are on their feet. Understood. Better get to the bridge. What's their condition? Hungry. Would you like to be shown to your rooms? Okay, cut. Mick, we got to do that again. Um, you're supposed to respond. Mick won't stop eating the fish. Coming, Nothing has happened. Uh, not just yet. Mick surprised his mother. Mm. Here we go. Here's the end of this episode. Why are they still here? We thought since you were going to the same conference, you might like to beam down with the other delegates. Oh, they're not delegates. Those two are assassins. That is an outrage. Lies! We demand you transport us at once! Don't bother to deny it. Your minds are so unsophisticated, I can read your thoughts in my sleep. 
Oh, their robes are lined with ultrasium, highly explosive, virtually undetectable by your transporter. She's correct, sir. I'm detecting large amounts of ultrasium. Well, of course you are. They were planning on blowing up the entire conference. Mr. Wolf, take them to level five. Disarm them. Hold them for questioning. Aye, sir. Final again. We're suicide bombers. Are you still gonna leave us in our robes? You <laughs> idiot. <laughs> like Why we hear an explosion on the hallway. Why didn't they just press the button? Silly Assuming fish. it's a button. Silly purple fish. Ah, well, I didn't find a mate, but I did save the conference, as well as your reputations. All in a day's work, I suppose. Goodbye, Mrs. Troy. And thank you. For, I guess, for the fish thing. Energize, Chief O'Brien. Jaluk? Shame on you for thinking such a thing. <laughs> it's she the same has, joke again. She has huge irises. No, they're that. I think they're contacts. Oh, like to make them look the same. That's the betazoid aspect. That is the betazoid aspect. I mean, because these are like insane. On the Why are there no close-ups of her? No, there, on the shores of the Western Sea. Yeah, they're all in a traditional betazoid ceremony. You can look it up. But I'm almost positive. I mean, they must be right. No one has irises that big. Yeah, doe eyes, as they say. In the industry, but I did save the conference. Um, Andy, I hope you're excited because that's the end of that episode. I'm so glad. Oh my god, what a fucking terrible, terrible. Oh, there's a, just a couple of things <laughs> that we skipped over. Uh huh. We skipped over things. How? Picard. Picard pulls out a cigarette at one point. Yeah, and he lights it. He picks it out the wrong way. It's always the filter on top, right? Or did in the forties were they did they have no filters? They had no filters in the forties. Oh, all right, then he did it the right way. Never mind. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> that was your that was your big thing, huh? <laughs> I wonder why Mick Fleetwood like is that so? If you're a big fan, say Mick Fleetwood, I assume was a huge fan. Yeah, I was like, I just want to be in the episode in some way. I don't know. Would this be satisfying? <laughs> uh, I mean, it'd be satisfying to me. Yeah, I guess so. I guess we had a small part. Uh, you know, Gorley and I were drawn into a panel of a recent James Bond comic. <gasps> we're like in the background of it. So cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, see, that's super amazing. Um, okay. All right, let's just get to the freaking NBC. I'm so, I, this episode drove me crazy. Okay. Sorry, buddy. It's the MVC, yeah, the MVC, only Matt and Andy know. This is the long one. Yeah, sorry. It's going to be a long episode. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> We're almost there, almost at season three. Might have to retire this one at season three. Sorry, Anders. Um... Okay, so we were saying this would be a problem, and it is a problem. Oh my! Oh no, she's not. A, I, I was afraid we were for a moment we were going to have to give it to Luxana, but yeah, she's not a crew member. Does anybody do anything? Data saves Picard. 
in that one dinner. I agree. I fully agree. It's data. I think it is commander data. He's really. <laughs> he was an effective cock block for, for Captain Picard. Yep. <laughs> that time I was laughing at the thing I was saying. I apologize. Um, yeah. All right. It's data. There we go. Data. Great feel, job. Feel free to sound off if you disagree. Some other method of ranking. We're working on it. Oh, somebody did send me a thing that was the Andes list, um, which was very nice of them. Because I would love to see. Because uh, it's hard once you get like once you get down into the terrible. Like, I just my instinct is to give them all zero. So oh, that's interesting. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Well, uh, comparing it to last week, I give this one a one. What did you give it to last week? One. Fair of the same same terribleness. Uh Uh-huh. There are some enjoyable moments in this episode. Yeah. Like uh, Worf. Worf's attitude towards these uh, beautiful creatures. Uh, Data scene with Picard. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, I like the scene they they had in the hall. Yeah. So there's uh, some enjoyable moments. Brings it up to one. All right. You don't have to. You can give whatever you want. I think you viscerally hated this episode. I really did. I there think is no go plot. Down to, I'm going Take down it. to a point five. There you go. The, the only problem is it just like I'm beginning to wonder if I'm going to see worse episodes. Then this, you will. Guaranteed. I feel like I'm making the mistake. Some of the worst episodes are in season seven. You hold your opinions for how much you're saying, you, like how high you go on the Andy scale because you know better episodes are coming. And obviously I don't have that foresight. Yeah. And I feel like now I'm making more of a mistake on the low end of the scale because there's like I'm just like this is this was this is a virtually purposeless episode. Mm. It uh, there's no plot. Um, there's things that are introduced there's that are interesting. No, no, there's not like like um, and the plot that's there is basically a mock time from the original series where Spock has Ponfar, mm-hmm. except there's no, no that's, drama whatsoever. That's, there's so much drama in that episode. That's yeah. very interesting. It's not um, like Troy has to fight. Like it's not like Loxana has to fight Troy to the death. No, that's what I'm saying. There's no drama. The, the the like the one interesting aspect would have been Loxana can read minds, so she, you could have had a straight on conversation with Picard and him saying, "Look, I just don't have room for that in my life," or whatever the thing is. And uh, we didn't get to that. No. Listen, it's not the last we're going to see of Loxana. And Worf being into the Antedians, interesting little side thing. They don't have him wake up until the end. Yeah. <laughs> Piece Whatever. Of anyway, the episode uh, coming up next, episode 20 of season two, is The Emissary. Yeah. If I remember correctly, it's a lot of Klingon fun. And uh, Andy's favorite guest actress is back, if I remember correctly. Next time on Star Trek, The Next Generation, Lieutenant Worf is reunited with his lost love. I've never had such strong feelings toward anyone. Two brave warriors test the courage of their private passions. We are mated. I am not going to become your wife. Now, they must join forces to prevent a Klingon attack. Drop your shields. On Star Trek, The Next Generation. It looks like a better episode. Yeah, sure. The emissary. Yeah. There's like stuff it. that happens. I'm not a big Klingon fan. 
I am a Klingon fan. I don't like her as a Klingon, though. I liked her better as a Vulcan. <laughs> That's my opinion. Yeah, well, well, take it or leave it. It's, I'm actually going to leave it. I'm yeah. actually not taking that opinion. <laughs> That's a fair, believe fair it or response. Not, believe it or not, I'm leaving your opinion. All right. The opinion is there for anyone for the taking. If anyone if else wants, wants it. it. If anybody else it's needs that opinion, right it's there. hanging out. Yep. Uh, all right, everybody. Don't forget to write us at uh, our email address. <laughs> SDTNCpod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at Star Trek TNC. Uh, you can also, I always say you can Instagram us. And you're right. There is no Instagram. But uh, we have it. Um, I'm at Secunda. Um, my friend is Matt Myra. And um, and you can leave us a voicemail at 816-TREK-TNC. Thank you very much for joining us for this terrible episode. So sorry we all had to go through this together. Well, at least you heard about CD-ROMs. <laughs>